grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to the show tonight. Nice Wednesday, nice Wednesday evening for those of us in California and a Wednesday night for you guys in uh, on the East Coast. I've got, a, well, hopefully a great show lined up for you guys. Um, my name is Charlotte, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Uh, well, I, I run the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. You can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. And also, if you want to find the extra radio show stuff that we have, look it up at www.californiahauntsradio.com. Tonight, we've got a wonderful show. We're doing a different change of pace. Um, I remember listening to this gentleman and his partner singing rap songs when I was, grow- when I, when I was growing up. And uh, to see him on the Geico commercial has been an absolute treat. And I know you guys know who he is. It's DC the Brain Supreme is going to be with us tonight to talk to us. And I am so excited. He's he's in the green room right now. So you know what? I'm just going to shut up and I'm just going to get this show on the road. Hello. I can't hear you. Okay. I have no audio. Hang on. Are we muted? Oh, unmute. Let's see why I can't hear him. Hang on. Nope. I can't hear you. He's talking. Hang on. We're just trying to get the audio. All right. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I've got an audio issue. Check your audio. I can't hear you. Let me try. I'm going to mute and unmute him. Yeah, yeah, Check there one. you go. I got you. See, I do so many of these that every platform might be a little bit different. So I got to switch. Uh, interfaces and microphones <laughs> and all kind of things. So, how are you doing this evening? Great, great, Good. great, great. Well, yeah. I have the same problem with this show because I used to, um, the little intro thing used to be like loaded into the software itself, mm-hmm. but I have to do it separately now. So, tell, sometimes I'll forget my mic's muted and I'll start going into, hey, welcome to the show. And then I realize that nobody can hear me. Yep, stream you <laughs> <laughs> I'm very honored to have you on the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, what's going people on? Were look, people were looking forward to this show. Really? Yeah. Little old me? Yeah, little old you. <laughs> a lot of my fans are the same age as I am, so we grew up listening to you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you're in Sacramento? Yes. I went to school at Sac State. Are, are you in Atlanta? Yep. Went okay. to school Sac State from 84 to 89. Nice. Yep, stayed at Jenkins Hall. I know I know Sacramento very well. I was there when Kenny Smith got drafted. Uh, yeah. Did my first song with Wayman Tisdale, and we did. There's a little uh, a little city in a, in Sacramento somewhere. It's like a little miniature city. We did the video there. We had I I had all kind of fun in Sacramento. That's that's that was a special part of my life, for real. Fantastic, fantastic. Tell me about you. You know, a lot of people, you know, we, we all know you from from rapping and doing that stuff, but let, let's learn about the man behind it all. What do you want to know? I just, 
All right, I'm going to tell you to you like this. I am a hustler. Okay. I'm different. I work very hard. And I just love to learn. And my life has been full of learning. It's been a journey of hard knocks, just like everybody else, and um, trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. But I've learned to always stay positive. I've always learned to figure things out to where the glass is always going to be half full with me and not half empty. And I try to relate that to anybody I talk to because that's the only way I know how to be, right? And yeah. you know, the first the first two words of Wink There It Is are party people because that's what I am. I've been a DJ for 30 years and my job is to make the people party. Mm-hmm. And I come from the beginning, the golden age of hip hop when there was only one question. Can you rock a party? Can you move a crowd? And I live my life that way. And I've just always been tenacious. I've always persevered and I've always made it fun when I've done it. So that is in a nutshell my life. And I can tell you after 30 years of being in the music industry, I'm having more fun now than I've ever had in my life. And I'm better now (laughs) than I've ever been in my life because all of those things that you might think are hardships or sacrifices or mistakes or missed opportunities, they're not. They're, They're part of the necessary process of things that you do in your life that if you don't give up, later on serve you in ways you could never imagine. And I'm sitting here as living proof of that. And we'll get into that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Tell me, okay, because you were doing DJing, you know, was that before the, 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 the group got together, the, you know, the two of you got together or? Okay, so me and Steve, quick, you know, it's a quick story. Okay. Me and Steve met in high school, 11th grade. Steve had a band, I wanted to be in his band. And I worked in the truancy office and I heard the choir down the hall, I wanted to be in the choir. And mm-hmm. then um, I heard my first, I went to my first high school dance in 11th grade and heard the DJs with two turntables and a microphone. And I was like, I gotta have it all. And I dedicated my life to being a DJ, being a singer, being a rapper, and just, you know, just just really honing those crafts. And I sucked at the beginning, just like everybody else does. But I turned it into, I turned all of it into a career. And this is at a very young age. And I owe it all to my parents because my parents worked me like a dog when I was a kid. And, you know, I've been telling you, I have been stemming collard greens and shucking peas since I was five years old. My mother had a prep cook, right? Mm-hmm. My father made me wash cars and cut the lawn and do the hedges and shovel the snow. And because of that, I have never feared work. So I've always had a job. I've always worked. I've always tried to be better, the best at what I do. And that goes for anything I'm doing recreationally. So when I graduated high school, we still had the band together. I would come back in the summers and we would play. But then as young people grow, you kind of split apart. And me and Steve stayed together. And that's how tag team formed. And um, it just, I went to college, I went to Sac State. 
and got better at DJing. I used to DJ all the frat parties, and I used to do, I used to move all the tables in the dining uh, commons, right, where we used to eat on Friday nights. And they had a PA system, and I would hook my stuff up, and I would DJ and throw a party for everybody in in the dorms. So everybody knew me because of that. Then I started DJing at certain places in the out, out in Arden Way. I started DJing Coco Palms a little bit. Nice. Um, yeah, I was DJing Black Family Day in, in uh, UC Davis. I by the end of my college career, I was a very formidable DJ. But I went I went to visit Steve in Atlanta, and I fell in love with Atlanta. And I knew I wasn't going to stay in SAC, so I moved straight to Atlanta. And when I moved to Atlanta, the DJs weren't as sharp as I thought they were. And I just fell right in and took over. And I've been DJing since day one. And I was supposed to go get a job at CN, but I was like, I could do this for the summer. And, you know, I DJed in strip clubs and regular clubs and every type of club. But that is what made me who I am because it taught me how to hustle, right? It taught me how to work hard. It taught me that it's up to me to make my own money. And as time goes along, I'm having fun as a young man, as a DJ, I realized that we can't make hip-hop coming out of the Southeast. We have to make bass music. We have to make that up-tempo booty shake, right? Mm -hmm. And I just knew it because I'm playing the records. And I went to Steve and I said, hey, man, we got to make some up-tempo stuff. He's like, man, I don't know how to make that bass stuff, but I love it, but I don't know how to make it. And I said, don't look at it that way. I said, Go back to the essence of hip-hop. And for me, the essence of hip-hop is Planet Rock. Planet Rock, Egyptian lover on the West Coast, right? Mm -hmm. You know, those back in the day, those were Dr. Dre's first records. He, those records make him cringe, but he was very, that was the beginning, right? And those records were hit records. And our first attempt to make one of those types of records, I've been working on several songs, but Wound There It Is kind of stuck. stuck. And I told Steve about it, and he was like, yo, how do you spell it? And I was like, W-H-O-O-M-P. So we recorded it. And it was on a third. I never forget. It was on a Thursday in 1992, August. And I went to work, popped a cassette in. And to this day, it is the biggest record I have ever played and the biggest response I've ever gotten on a record. And I've been DJing for 30 years. And what, what was it? I mean, when... You finally realized it was a hit. What was that like for you? I didn't Coming realize through? it was a hit. I thought, my, you know, my hubris as a young man, everything I make is going to be a hit. That's what you think when you're a young man, right? <laughs> yeah. You're lost, you're lost in the sauce. So I stopped playing it because I was playing other records. And one of the girls was like, how come you don't play Won't There It Is anymore? I was like, I can play it for you. I played it again. The same thing happened. Everybody ran into the DJ. But what is that? I was like, okay, I think we really have something. And and what really did it was one of my record company reps. That because you know back then everything was vinyl, so the record company reps they had them in each region. While the major labels would have to come bring us our records and you know mm -hmm. search the radio, search the record pools. A guy named Alan Cole from Columbia Records said, "Hey man, what is that?" And I was like, "That's my new record, dog." And he was like, "Give me that. I'm going to New York. I want to let him hear it." I get a call from Columbia Records. I'm like, this could work for every record label. Now I'm talking to every record label. And I'm like, we're on our way now, but not really because back then it was just New York, LA. New York didn't mm -hmm. know what to do something down south, right? LA didn't know what to do anything for something down south. So they they liked it, but they didn't believe it. So they really couldn't pull the trigger on it. And I almost gave up. 
a lady named Lisa McCall told me to call a gentleman named Al Bell. Mm-hmm. No, Al Bell is in the beginning of soul music. There were three record companies: Philly International, Motown, and Stax Records. Al Bell owned Stax Records. In the year before, he put out a record called Daisy Dukes by a group called Deuce, and they went gold. And I was like, "Whoa, that's somebody who knows how to do something with this type of music." So I called him. He didn't call me back for a couple weeks. He called me. I was like, look, man, we got a hit record, dude. I'm testing them in the hottest clubs in the country. You need to sign us. And he was like, okay. And I was like, oh, no, don't play with me like that. I said, you haven't even heard the record. And I'll never forget these words. He said, brother, I don't have to hear the record. I hear it in your spirit. Let's agree to agree. Get this thing moving. So I gave my two weeks in Magic City, which was the club I was working at. Signed a messed up record deal, and in a month and a half, we were platinum, and the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. Man, when things right now, which takes me back to my question, when things really started moving, what what was it like when when people would stop you on the street? You know, or did they not realize it at first it was you? Nah, because well, people still don't know who I am. And it's <laughs> because it's all because I've been a DJ all my life. Yeah. Watched. This is this is very important. I've watched how people treat other people. And I've watched stars rise and fall. Mm-hmm. And I watch when they rise, they treat people like crap. And then I watch when they fall and the same people they treat like crap revel in their demise. And they never come back from it. And just being a jerk, I vowed never to be that dude. Because I never had mm-hmm. to be that dude because I knew who I was. I I I I had I had already been successful, right? So for me, and I mean, for me, it was really not that big of a deal. I was happy, of course. I had fun, of course, because that's what I do. But it wasn't overwhelming to me like it is for a lot of other people because Mm -hmm. I stayed the same. I knew I had to stay the same because I knew it wasn't going to last. So when it don't last and you got to go back or when you got to be around people, I'm still the same person. Right. And... I talk to people now. So I still got friends from Sacramento where they. I'm every time they talk to me, it's like it's amazing that you are the same person, that there is no difference in you. I'm like because I only know how to be one person, and that's me. And you know, I'm an actor as well. And in acting, they say you know the one thing that people don't really understand is that you're enough. You don't need to be anything else. You're enough. There's only one you in the world. So why would I want to be like everybody else? And that's why, even to this day. I can go anywhere I want to go and nobody knows who I am. And I'm on national TV dang near every day. And they don't know who I am. Part of that's because of COVID and we just had masks on when it was hot. But now right. it's, again, it still doesn't, it, it's still, people still don't recognize me. And it's how, it's how you carry yourself. Now I walked around with an entourage and was just always had a bunch of gold chains. No, no I don't, I'm a grown man. I don't have to do that. I don't need that. I've been a DJ all my life. I've always been popular. I've always been the 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 point of everything, but then I don't need that. That's not what mm-hmm. drives me. What drives me is to be a better man than I was yesterday, right? There's different things that move me, and that's just the way I am. You you could be so inspirational for some of the newer um, hip hop guys that are out. You know the, the the younger guys because, and, you know, I hate to say it. In all reality, but it does go. Fame can go to your head really fast. Oh yeah, 
really fast. I'm not gonna lie, it went to my head, but I was able to control it, mm-hmm. right? See, there's a thing you have to be able to control your ego and your pride. You can still have fun. You, you hey, don't don't get trust me. My ego is just as big as the rest of them, but you'll never see it, right? Because I keep it sequestered, and my oh, pride is just as big as everybody else's too. But I keep it sequestered because I need my mind open, and that's what kills people. That's what that's what makes people old and bitter, is that they can't sequester their pride. That's why I, you know, there's just certain things about I love to be wrong, because being wrong serves two purposes it kills your ego it kills your pride but being wrong is the path to being right and i know i'll be, never be wrong with that again so if you can admit it of course i'm dying inside oh i'm wrong <laughs> but my mind is open now right and i'm not stuck yeah. my mind is open to possibilities of creativity and things that keep me moving forward i play offense i don't play defense i don't get bogged down I play offense and I keep it moving and I'm always learning. I have a, I have a, a, a point of term, learn how to learn. It's not enough to learn. You have to learn how to learn, mm-hmm. right? Like example, I you get a real long email and man, I got to read this real long email. I'll read the first two lines. Now I'm daydreaming. By the time I finish the email, I'm like, oh, I wasn't even paying attention. Right. <laughs> but, Right. Learn how to learn. I'll tell you. That's why you laugh because you know what I'm talking about. I'll throw that email in the AI, right? The reading right. the software, and now that 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 email is reading to me, and I'm hearing it, but something catches my ear. Now I'm reading along with it. Now I'm retaining more information and understanding it just like that. Learn how to learn. You got to come up with tactics that keep you unstuck, right? Right always a way you got to always flip it on its head you got to always think in the reverse you got to always mirror things so you can see it in another perspective and when you look at things at another perspective things open up to you ideas open up to you creativity opens up to you flexibility opens up to you and now you're talking now you're moving now you're accomplishing things now you're creating mastery for yourself that you don't even know that you're doing at the time so I've just been I've I keep my head down grinding and I stay nine steps ahead because if you stay nine steps ahead, you're gonna never be behind and you're always be prepared. Right? People are like DC, you can't do everything. You're doing too much. You can't do everything. I was like, you know what? You're right. But I sure enough can be prepared for everything, right? Because right. Right. And, and they're like, you know what? That's right. That's good. That's good, DC. And I'm like, I just shake my head because I'm like, the very thing you just disapproved of is the same thing you now approve of said a different way. Learn how to learn. You see what I'm saying? Right. You got to look at everything in both perspectives, right? So I've been through it. We've been through lawsuits. We've been through this. We've been through that. Mm-hmm. But I know it's my responsibility as a grown man mm-hmm. to overcome all that and be better and learn and do whatever I got to do to be better than I was yesterday. When you look back and like you said, you, you, you signed a contract with this guy and it wasn't the best contract. What, what happened with that? Because I, I know when I was reading you know, your mini profile, it, it mentions that, that, that you had issues. I mean, we're in a 15 year legal battle. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. 
and, and I, I, I would call it a legal battle because the record company went bankrupt. Another record company bought it out of bankruptcy. Then it took something they weren't supposed to take. And now we're the pawns in the middle. And now these two record companies are fighting. I can fight one record company, but I can't fight two. Wow. So instead of looking at the glass half empty, I looked at a glass half full. I know I'll get my day in court. So I am going to mirror both of these record companies. I'm going to learn what they're doing, what their tactics are, how they're pitting me against each other. And I'm going to learn and basically become a paralegal. And that's what I've done because I had all the paperwork because they used to give me all the paperwork at the record company, but I would put it in a big box and send it to my mother's house and she put it in the basement. And then I went back and had all that. So I put all that together, dotted my T's, crossed my I's, organized all that. It's called discovery. I learned mm -hmm. what a motion is because if you want to bring a, 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 if you're trying to bring somebody to trial, you got to file a motion and that motion, somebody's got to take that case. So a district court's got to take it and you got to find a place to have that case. And they went through motion after motion after motion. I learned more and more and more. And this is over 20 years. Yeah. And when it came time for us to, you know, to, to do our thing, the lawyers that I chose, I gave them a big box of discovery, cost me half the money because I did all the research over them years. And now they came up with five ways for us to prevail. And we did. And we prevailed, you know, at a cost because it's always going to be at a cost, especially, right. that, you know, there's no money left. Right. If anything, you owe money because of because of legal fees. But. You know, you don't owe money physically where I got to pay money out of my pocket. It's just the song pays for the legal fees and then we, then it's, then it's on. But we still always been making money because we did have some semblance of some of our rights to make a living. So that was the be the blessing out of it all. And I learned, learned the music game inside out. And then I said, you know, when things like that happen to me, I vow that it will never happen again. So when people was playing my money, I said, that will never happen again because I'm going to learn finance. And then I became a licensed commodities broker, right? And I passed a series three test and now I'm working for three commodities firms while I'm DJing at night. And it was just too much. And, you know, but I got an education out of it. Mm -hmm. 2000, I listened to CNBC, didn't know what they were talking about. Year 2002, I knew everything they were talking about. And then I found a better way to invest. Right. And then I started, I was in the self-help thing. Robert T. Kiyosaki, Zig Ziglar, all those books. Right. And one of the books was like, run your life like a corporation. And that's what I started doing. And I've had my corporation since 2002. And I run my life like a corporation. How do you do that? You just start. You start and you ask questions. What kind of corporation are you going to be? Well, what's the tax bracket? Or how do you do this? And how do you do that? And it got it, you know, it started with credit. Fixed my credit. Then I was like, then I was like, you can have corporate credit. I was like, corporate credit? What's that? Well, you gotta have a corporation to have a corporate credit. Oh, okay. Then you gotta get a Duns number. Oh, okay. Then you gotta get a bookkeeper, you gotta do your taxes. Oh, cool. Let me do that. Then <laughs> couldn't find a bookkeeper to do it right. I learned how to use QuickBooks myself. Now I am masterful of QuickBooks. I know where every penny is going in my organization because I do the books, right? right and all you gotta do is just learn it like people make it harder than what it is that's why i love to learn because i know and i want it to be hard because i know if it's hard nobody else is going to try to do it and i'll be there by myself and then i make it custom to me and then you develop these skills as you go and 
you know, I tell this to people, I was like, I was not just a DJ. I was your light guy. I was your sound guy. I did your flyers. I did your marketing. I did your radio shows. I did your, your, your radio commercials. I did your television commercials. I did your fashion photography. I got the girls in the magazines. I made myself invaluable. Mm-hmm. I didn't do all that because I wanted to do, to, to do it. I did it because, you know, if you're in a dead-end job, I tell everybody, and you hate your job, the best way to get over it is to do everybody else's job. Learn how to do everybody else's job in that corporation or in that company. Learn how to do your boss's job. Learn how to do everything. And somebody doesn't show up to work, I got it. And you do this because not for the company. You do it for yourself because that's your education to make your transition to the next bigger thing smooth. And if you do that at every job you're at, you're going to transition yourself up the ladder where in that company, there was no way for you to transition yourself up that ladder because you get to go from better job to better job to better job to working for yourself. Right. Because, you know, all these skills. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I did as a DJ. I learned how to build websites. I learned SEO. I'm a master at SEO right now. And there always there's always a, a, a traumatic experience that makes me like that. 2011, everybody thought Barack Obama was in our video. Right. Mm-hmm. And we did press for a whole week. And I was pissed off at the end of that week because I didn't have no money in my pocket. I'm like, we did ABC, NBC, Stephen Colbert show. We did all these shows and I don't got no money. I was like, that'll never happen again. And the reason is because I had no web presence. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think that because you got a record, your hit record is always going to be like that. Not, I didn't think that, but I didn't have a web presence. That's one that slipped through the cracks because that back then, that's kind of was the beginning of all that, of all of social media and all the things that you can do to, to market yourself. And I started SEO. And back then, if you typed in tag team, it was all wrestling. Right. Same day, it's all tag team. Took me 10 years to learn all that. But I'm masterful at it now. And now I can get in front of anybody I want. I can do my own marketing. I'm my own publicist. I'm my own booking agent. I'm my own travel agent. I'm my own everything. Right? And you think that it's too much, but because of all those skills, because of me making myself invaluable to everybody else, I'm invaluable to me. Because all those things have come back to serve me in ways I could have never imagined. That's why mm-hmm. and that is the, that's the definition of hustle. You have to work your butt off and not expect anything. Because when you expect something, your emotions come into play and then you quit. Because mm-hmm. your feelings are hurt. <laughs> right? Right. But if you there's no quit pro quo. If you don't expect anything, you just play offense and keep it moving. You keep planting seeds, right? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And that's how that is my mindset. So as this goes along, I, I realized certain things. 2003, 2004, I think I'm sitting in a movie theater and we'll, I'm looking at Will Ferrell dance on the table. The whoop, there it is. in a Christmas story. <laughs> and, and elf. That's what I knew. Well, there it is. It was an evergreen record, and it's up to me to make the money. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody gonna give me nothing. Ain't nobody gonna give you anything out there. It is out there for you. How bad do you want it? And that's a cliche, but it's true. It's like, what are you willing to do to get what you need or what you want? 
because I talk to people all the time. I do this three, four times a day. Mm-hmm. And I ask people, I was like, what do you want? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? What do you want? And they can't tell me. And if you don't know what you want, you're just spinning wheels. It was like, well, DC, what you want? Like, I want it all. <laughs> Period. <laughs> right? And I'm working right. for that. Like, because pan- pandemic changed everybody. Changed me. Best thing never happened to me because it's like, I do not want to leave this earth regretting something I didn't do that I wanted to do. So I realized all those things that I beat myself up over, all those mistakes I thought I made, all those sacrifices, I can correct all that crap. Right? Right. And it's like, perfect example, 2006, I'm in the bowels of Disney. I'm teaching Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse how to rap. Those are the voices, (laughs) the husband and wife voice team of Disney's biggest star, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, DC the Brains Queen is teaching them how to rap. And thus, that starts my voiceover career because they're telling me about voiceover, but I'm there it is back then. I didn't think about no voiceover, but that's what started it. And I beat myself up for years because of that, because I was there. Yeah. I was there. I was sitting in the office of New Line Cinema 2006, and the president knows my manager, and they're all talking. They're like, yeah, we're working on this new movie. LL Cool J and Wesley Snipes are the leads. They're battling for the lead. If we might want to want to cast you. I'm like, cool, talk to my manager, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, well, it's going to be a big movie now. It's going to be called, what's it called? It's called Blade. It's a vampire movie. Okay. Well, call my manager. I'm, I'm with it. My nonchalant attitude was like, it was, it was unethical. Because I was there. <laughs> I was right there. But I was there in, in, in my Aunt Judy. Says it, says it to me, and I'll never, I'll never forget this. Sometimes in life, we're just not ready. Mm-hmm. That's okay, right? Because right. now, I stand before you, a voice artist, doing several voiceover projects a year, auditioning for everything I want to audition for. I stand before you with. Four movies about to come out, two TV shows about to drop at the same time. And we just finished another Geico commercial. So I'm an actor and a voice artist. 20 something years later, on a level that I probably wouldn't have been on back then. (laughs) Right? I think you're right. I think, you know, we don't take opportunities because we're not ready at that point. But I also agree with you in that COVID has, even with me, has given me enough time to refocus. Oh, yeah. You know, not working for a year, you know, and doing all that. It's given me time to take a look at things and go, I really like doing that, but I didn't bother to do it, but I'm going to do more of it. Yep. And, hey, see, and see how it goes. It's reinvention. I, 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 everybody, you know, was scared. Uh-huh. So everybody's like, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? And I'm like, can't do everything, but I can always do this. And voiceover has saved me time and time again because I didn't give up. Right, mm-hmm. I wasn't that good at it, but I kept chugging along, little bit by little bit, little by little bit. Right, and I went back and and just reinvented myself. I record all the stuff that I do, so I went back to 2008 when I first started voiceover. Went back to those first lessons, and it was heartbreaking because I had to listen to my 10 year old ago self have a conversation, which was just irritating and gut wrenching. 
then I had to hear myself do my first voiceover, which was just, just, just skin crawly. Oh my gosh, it was horrible. But then it was inspirational because I'm an actor now and a voiceover now, and I didn't give up. And I didn't quit. I played offense, and I didn't, I did quit. Now I understand what my coaches were talking about because I thought it was their fault. <laughs> and I was like, I have to do this, and I did it. I did that first voiceover script, and it was angelic. Because it's the first time in my life I had mastery over my voice. And I started just booking like crazy. And then I, I shot my first movie in Nebraska during the pandemic. Then got a call to shoot another movie in the, uh, in Georgia because they was open. Nebraska's open. So we cool. shoot. Just wear your mask. And then I'm in, um, I get a public fall campaign. I get a Tyler Perry House of Pain episode. And then here come Geico. Everybody thinks all this other stuff is because of Geico, but everything Geico mm-hmm. is the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. And I've been booking like crazy. And I'm not trying to be a star. I just right. like that because it's hard. And I think I've gotten a handle on it and I get better at it. I get better and better and better. And it takes that. It is I knew when I started I wasn't gonna quit. And I started acting in 2017 just by happenstance. Just because somebody believed it was like, I like your face, put him on camera. Because I was with People Story Agency for voiceover. Mm-hmm. And they put me on for acting. And then I got hooked. And I worked, I, I booked maybe after four months. And I was booking, you know, little regional local stuff. And then right. I booked a national Pizza Hut commercial. Getting ready to shoot it. And then COVID hit. <laughs> and I, I, I wasn't mad. I was happy because I got booked. I knew right. that my hard work it paid off and sometimes that is the goal not the goal the goal that's what you're that's what you want and you know so even with the geico commercial it's like okay you got a geico commercial yeah but now i gotta prepare because i don't i'm an actor i don't just show up and be like what we gonna do and i prepare for a whole month and if i don't prepare then there's no spinning scoop mm-hmm. there's no dances there's no sprinkles <laughs> if I don't prepare because I prepared all that and went to the producer and the director and said, I got some ideas, like anything you want to do, DC. And we did all of it. And that's those are the nuances that make that commercial what it is. We when got, Geico, yeah. did, you, did you approach Geico or, or did they approach you? So actually all this happened because of the Barack Obama story. <laughs> Because think about it, I couldn't be found in 2011, but I get a call from my agent, 2020, September. DC, you just booked the Geico commercial. I'm like, okay, why are you playing with me in a pandemic? I haven't even auditioned for a Geico commercial. It's like, DC, they wanted tag team. I was like, oh, tag team. I forgot about tag team, (laughs) right? And what happened is they called my tag team phone. I didn't answer but because I could be found, they went to my IMDB and they called mm-hmm. my agent. I let my agent make the deal because this is what they do. Talk about synergy. Mm-hmm. And it's the most lucrative deal I have ever made in my life. Wow. And then it was time to go to work. And then after we shot the commercial, it was like, what am I going to do now? Can't go do shows, can't do this. Well, got to find a publicist so we got we having meetings trying to find publicists no publicists want to work because they're like we don't know what to do with a geico commercial and don't the things work themselves and i'm like 
Forget y'all. Okay, thank you. Either they didn't want, either they was losing a pandemic, they didn't want to get my money. I don't know what it was, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be my own damn publicist. And whenever I get stuck, listen, listen, kids. Whenever you get stuck, whenever there's something that's just you can't get over, join the organization, society, or association because those entities are filled with people who love their profession that have been doing it 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And I joined the Public Relations Society of America. I'm on a Zoom call two days in during Super Bowl week. And I asked a question, are press releases relevant? And I'm like, well, what's it for? I was like, well, I'm kind of featured in a National Geico commercial called Scoop. There it is. And I'm looking at the chat and they're like, wait a minute, what's he doing for me? Is that really him? Oh my God. I love that commercial. My kids love that commercial. My dog loves that commercial. That's commercial. It just blew up the entire chat. Like I'm talking about blew up the chat. And <laughs> the moderator is like, we'd like to welcome DC to the organization. We're going to talk about that Geico commercial after. But back to this question, are press releases relevant? And the CEO is like, yes, because the whole last year has been COVID. The whole last year has been political. And here you guys come throwing sprinkles and spinning scoops and dc or smile she said of course that's gonna work you're gonna go here for all the publicists you're gonna go here for all the journalists you're gonna go here for all the tv talk shows you're gonna go here for all the podcasts and you're gonna make sure your pitches are like this and she gave me the entire breath of her existence in 10 minutes and i have not looked back and it has opened doors for me unimaginably and there's a reason that you and i are talking right now that is really awesome and you, you, and on the side now you you you're doing uh, lectures like this for people you know, in, you know inspirational stuff to talk to people about getting out there and, and following their dreams right yeah because these these podcast me doing this every day is practice mm-hmm. I'm getting in the reps right you get better I get better at storytelling I get better articulation for voiceover I get better at meeting it, it's fun to meet new people. It's fun to meet different people, diverse people, people that don't agree with you, people that do agree with you, people that aren't professional, people that are, people that have a real small cat podcast in a bathroom to people who have a big giant building with a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. But it's all the same because when I start talking this talk, you know, there's no denying it because I live this. You're watching me do this real time. And you know what I've been through, right? I'm not right. telling you something out of a book. I'm telling you what I live and what I know, right? And all I'm trying to do is talk to people the way I wish someone had talked to me when I was a young man. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't listen, but still. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't listen, but still, because, you know, youth is wasted on the young. But that's what I try to do for people. So, if a person can be stuck and say, oh, I heard he said go join an organization, I guarantee it'll change your life. Because every time I join an organization, it opens up things for me I never thought. I mean, we, we were trying to get shows about five years ago, and everybody's like, well, you only got one song, and you old. And I was like, all right. Was like, we can't get on your roster. You can't get us no shows. And it was just that same excuse over and over again. So what I do, I want to join an organization. I want to join the International Entertainment Buyers Association. So instead of going to the promoters, I went to the buyers. I went to the top of the food chain. 
you have the buyers, you have the venues, you have the big time promoters, which is Live Nation and Our Heart Radio. Then you've got the um, then you got the mom and pops, the very people who are telling me that I'm a one hit wonder and I can't do anything. Then you got your managers. Then you got me. I've cut out effectively the whole middle. I go to their convention. Me and Chubby Checker, the only black dudes in this convention, five thousand strong. I got a pocket full of business cards with a big whoop. There it is, T-shirt on. <laughs> and I start networking. Hey, how you doing? My name is DC Glib, tag team. We have a clean 90s rap nostalgia show. And I was just wondering if you're interested. And the moment they heard clean, I was in a different world. Because now I was accepted. Uh-huh. There was no stigma. And they were like, you know what? We can use you for the intermission for this. We can use you for the intermission on the ice capades. We can do you on the radio. We're about to do a state fair. We can use you on the whole Hard Rock Cafe series. We can use you for this. And then all of a sudden, I'm doing more shows than I could have ever imagined. Because I hustle. I figure things out. I think differently. I don't take no for answer. I don't do what the traditionalists do. Because everybody's success story is different. Right. So you can make your success story custom to you. And that's what I did. And now... We're getting shows on a variety that I have never seen anybody. I mean, we're going to be at a Thanksgiving Day parade. We just, I just threw out a first pitch for the White Sox. We did perform before a baseball show, baseball game. I just, just, just the sheer magnitude, right? We're going to get paid to go to Alaska to just give ice cream to kids. Well, that's great. Right? Like, right? What is that? And it just blows me away. We do NBA halftime shows. We do NBA finals. We've done the Super Bowl. Uh, all the stuff around the Super Bowl. We always do just the most variety of things that nobody else can do. Because this look, is look at the generations you're because of that commercial. You're reaching all these generations. Yeah, and you know, but it's like have, it's like when Elvis would go on stage, right? And he'd look yeah. out in the audience, and people had their kids, and they had yeah. their kids on their shoulders watching the shows. The kids and the kids. Yeah. Right. Right, with the shows that's what's happening to you guys yeah. right now yeah. and, and and it's funny because it's always been happening you know why because remember the story of me me teaching mickey mouse and uh Minnie mouse how to rap mm-hmm. we did a we did a disney record with disney disney records kids listened to that for 10 years and that was the hottest record on the song that was like the jock jam for kids right right in 2000 here comes kids bop kids bop is a series of videos and remakes of, of hit records ours was number one on that and they played that in all the schools so the preschoolers they would play it to wear them out so they go to nap time sure in the first second third graders they played if they were good that week and then they danced to, to, to it that week so now when this this commercial is playing the father's standing there dancing and playing to the commercial singing along to it and the kids sing along to it and the dad's like what you know about that and the kids like what you know about that and now all of that groundwork and all those seeds that nobody ever knew were laid have become the harvest. And then the people who never knew about it know about it now in a way that they never have because everybody's mother, everybody's grandmother, everybody's great granny loves that commercial. I cannot, I'm, I'm telling you, people will not know. I went to Comic-Con because of a, that's why I do, I did a podcast for a, a con con. Uh, podcast about a month and a half ago they were like call me back like dc 
you you're just so inspiring we want we want to invite you to comic-con we can get your own table you're gonna sit with us and i went to comic-con for a day and i saw it and nobody knew who i was they're like who are you you're i had a big sign and everything like who are you uh doctor who what what tv show are you on and everybody around me is just laughing because nobody knows people mm -hmm. just come up everybody's coming up lady next to me she was in dragon ball z for like she voiced like two of the characters and she had a line all the way down the convention city but i didn't mind that because i wasn't i was there to people i was just there to, to, to observe but mm -hmm. when people would come up and they were like they were like you don't know who this is i would just be quiet and they were like you don't know who this is and they would they would just really try to give them clues and everything and all i would do is just go sprinkles and they would <laughs> melt because they realized who i was at that point and the fact that they loved that so much you could just see it on their face and that feeling is the most gratifying feeling there is because and then i'm taking pictures with everybody and then mm -hmm. people just talking about like who is that and then it's just like it spread through the whole convention and then it's like at the end of the day everybody's around me because i'm not there as dc the brand supreme tag team i'm there as dc talking about life mm -hmm. i've got all these people around me and i'm talking just like this and they're riveted because they everybody says the same thing to me said i've heard all this before i just never i just never thought about it that way i've never heard it said that way because that is what it's all about right coming up with something different being yourself doing what you uh -huh. gotta do you know persevering uh -huh. not giving up right there's uh -huh. no giving up there's no quitting you know you can't it's life can't i just don't i can't now i'm just as lazy as everybody else i promise you <laughs> i'm lazy as they come but i just do it anyway man just do it anyway so you know right now everything i you know i am still tired from being gone for 15 days because we've been doing so much you know we've been touring and shot up another geico commercial then that was that that like i actually have my own ice cream <laughs> it's a sweepstakes only way you can get it is if you if you make a TikTok video dancing to scoot and you get a chance to win and it's like don't nobody care about that everybody want the ice cream because they love the commercial mm -hmm. but i knew that was gonna happen right <laughs> so that's part of the thinking that's part of, of how you stay creative because you're thinking five moves ahead so now it's in a reverse type of situation now because somebody saw that on youtube on on a social and went to the grocery store and said hey you got that tag team ice cream and the person behind the counter is like what are you talking about it's like they got an ice cream like really they got an ice cream yeah for the commercial let me go ask my manager hey you got that tag team ice cream what are you talking about they got an ice cream. Really? We call corporate. Hey, are we ever going to get that ice cream, that tag team ice cream? What are you talking about? Tag team got an ice cream. Word? Corporate. Oh. Geico, when are we going to get our tag team ice cream? I never thought about it happening like that till yesterday. I've always been thinking, how am I going to get them to do this? How It's unfortunate that it can't be in the store, but... Mm -hmm. 
it's going to be so overwhelming that, I mean, we've been doing press like crazy. USA Today, just New York, everything. Ice cream. I got my own ice cream. <laughs> Ow! Right? Ow! <laughs> but, I, but, you know, it's always an opportunity that leads to 10 other opportunities if you know what you're right. doing. And if you keep working, if you're working and you throw things in the universe and you let people know what you want, you have to let the universe know what you want or it'll never manifest. You know, think differently, people, because it's out there for you. We're you know, in the universe. Anything you want is out there for you. You have to figure out how to go get it. And I've given that's you true. This pod, that's this true. this hour long talk has given you at least ten ways to go do it. Absolutely, I'm gonna, I want to watch it again and shot a bunch of stuff down. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, you got I mean, me going. It, it it it's it's just tactics, right? Yeah. Like you know, I think where everybody gets caught up because this is what everybody tells is like, well, what. You know, the kids today, they're all just in the instant gratification. I was like, mm-hmm. old people like that, too. Yeah. Everybody like that. Everybody want it fast. It ain't just the young kids. Don't put that on them. Everybody's like that. And I just tell them, can't be like that. Because you don't sit there and plant a seed. And then sit in the ground and watch it and be like, okay, seed, I need you to grow. So, why aren't you growing seed? Man, this seed don't this seed don't work. I quit. We know people like that, right? Yep, I do. It doesn't work like that. There is no quit pro quo. You don't you you plant that seed and keep it moving. You don't know what that you don't know if that seed need water, if it need milk, if it needs sunshine. You can plant a seed in a drought, and it'd be a drought for three years, and then it rained a little bit, and then that seed turned into a redwood tree. And 10 years later, one of the branches fall off and hit you on the head and bless you <laughs> because you kept it moving and you didn't you didn't just think about it all the time. You didn't dwell on it. And I tell you, I have planted so many seeds in my life. I stand before you in a forced opportunity unimaginable. I surely didn't imagine it. An opportunity after opportunity after opportunity every day falls my way. And I just try to be prepared for everything to be able to, to, to accommodate it and, 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 and management with my time and still have fun and still learn and still make life everything. I am 22 years old. I feel young. This is my fountain of youth. Education is the fountain of youth. I'm telling you, learn how to learn. Right. If you got to right. listen to it. If you got to get it transcribed, if you got to have somebody read it to you like a bedtime story, I don't give a damn how you do it. Learn how to learn. And I'm telling you the easiest way is to join those organizations. Or even if you don't want to join the organization, call every number on that organization's website and ask questions. And I guarantee you after two weeks, you'll know you'll have a college education on what it is you want to do and if it's for you. And then you have to put in the work. You can get the knowledge, but you still got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not enough to just know it. Now you got to go put it in the work. And that's why I love doing these podcasts because it holds me accountable. Me sitting up here talking all this stuff to you and, and and preaching and trying to inspire and just talking and running my mouth. I appreciate that. 
because it, it makes me hold myself accountable because I can't sit here and do this every day if I'm not not living it. Mm-hmm. If people don't see, if people don't, if, if two months from now, the things that I'm talking about, you don't say, hey, I remember when he told me that was going to happen and it happened. Now that gives me more validity to all the things that I'm saying. Now you know that that can work for you. It's up to you. Right. And sometimes people just it ain't for everybody. It's not. You know, this comes from this comes from a lot of women teaching me how to cook and clean and take care of myself and be respectful and do the things I know how to do. This comes from a lot of men who nurtured me and me listening and me being blessed to have men in my life who could teach me how to be a man. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's my responsibility to do the same to anybody out there willing to listen. And that's what I do. When you look back on your life, mm-hmm. what do you think is one of the biggest, you know, obviously you can't really top a hit record, but what do you think is one of the biggest accomplishments you've made other than that? I am still here. That's it. I'm here flourishing. 55 years old, and I feel like I'm 22. What is that? How many 55-year-olds feel like that? That's true. Right? That's my biggest accomplishment, that I didn't quit. That I kept going and that I get to be lucky enough to experience the same thing twice. And then make it bigger the second time because I'm mature enough to handle it and to make it bigger and bigger and bigger into something Make five things just as big as the first thing I did because I educated myself. I didn't stop. I didn't quit. Now, all that hard work, all that pain, all the things I thought was the wrong thing now come back to serve me as one. And it serves only me because it's custom because I went through it. Mm -hmm. I can't. What else is there? What else is there? I, I don't you. I don't live for material accomplishments or material things or you won't see me in gold chains. You won't see me in a fly car. You won't see me in none of that because it's, it's irrelevant. I want. I want accomplishments and legacy. I want to be archived for the rest of humanity. Right. That's why right. I do yo, because that's the process of taking everything from the real world, the tangible world before 1993 and putting it into the new world which is the internet because think about it they're probably you know why why is shakespeare van gogh da vinci why are they all still revered to this day the only reason they're revered to this day because somebody archived their stuff Mm -hmm. shakespeare's friend was probably way better than him as a playwright but his house burned down with a scroll so nobody even knows who he is Right, you see the stories. Think about well, it. You see the story. Well, that's the cool thing about commercials too, because you're doing yes. these commercials with the song, and they may stop the commercial after a year, but maybe ten years down the line, they're going to bring that commercial back. Think about it. I am in, I'm in the realm and in the air with where's the beef, right? The camel, Jake from State Farm. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. It's a campaign. This is our second one, and they let me do the voiceover. Nice. So they're not going to let me. I, so to me, I'm going to keep grinding because 
I have shown them that they have picked the right one. And you can ride this horse for a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm going to inspire. I'm going to inspire your employees. I'm going to inspire your staff. I'm going to inspire everybody who comes across my path. And you're going to ride this horse till his legs break. Because I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let you give up on me. I'm not going to let you go to the next thing. Because if you do, that's fine, too. But I guarantee you, you're going to see me somewhere else doing it for somebody else and be like, damn, we should have kept it. Because I don't quit. Yeah. And I'm better now than I've ever been. And I'm about to start making music again, not as an artist, mm-hmm. but I can always make a jingle. I can always make a song for a movie soundtrack that I'm auditioning for. I can always just play, right? And mm-hmm. you just never know. There's there's so many opportunities out there that it doesn't it, it there's just nothing that you can't do you just have to think differently and you have to think you gotta think so far high this is what i do i think pie in the sky far-fetched fantastic right right which is here way up here and people are like man you can't do that i was like yeah but i see it that's what i want so far away but then what do i do well if you can't get it there bring it back an inch how's that look well if you did this that and that but it's still kind of out of reach we'll bring it back another inch yeah now we're getting closer because if you could do this this and that then maybe catch a break doing this come back a little more well you can do that within a year because that's what you're already doing will you come back more ah well this is what you're doing now but what you don't realize is that you're halfway there. And what you've just done is create a reverse business plan and bought things back to practicality. Now you have a stepping ladder to your goals and dreams. Fantastic. I was and just going to make a quick comment before, before you go. Mm-hmm. And that you were talking about uh, people, you know, talking about one-hit wonders. You know, it's 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 one thing for a one-hit wonder to come out, but it's another thing when that one-hit wonder is so catchy that no matter what happens, you can't get out of your head. And and I don't even care. I embrace it because I'm like, well, give me another song that you would rather be be a one-hit wonder on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really. It, the way Woomp There It Is is, I don't had a hundred hits because Woomp There It Is done done so much, it don't die. <laughs> think about it. I mean, think about it. Like, if it was going if it was going to die, it would have died years ago. Right. Wear it out because everybody likes it because it it represents what we love to do the most, which is celebrate and party. To the end of time, human beings will celebrate. Right. Weddings, bar mitzvahs, parties, love, money, all of it. Fantastic. I want to thank you for coming on. This was for me, it was an honor. Well, thank you for letting me run my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I've you know, like, like I'm like everybody else, you know, when I saw that Geico commercial, I I just went, Wow, that's really cool. And at Mm. first, I was like, Is that really them? You know, so (laughs) and that's the first uh, that's the first time people were able to really put the song with the faces, right? right? If you didn't, you know what I mean? So, yeah. That's why it was just so brilliant for us. And 
now it just people just it it has bought so much joy in a time when joy was needed absolutely it's, like it's been a whole year of clouds gloom and doom and then the sunshine came out and sprinkles came out and it was like, absolutely oh, it is so bad i love sprinkles <laughs> so much it's so bad that we do that for the encore at every show because people love it so much and it's the best part of the show there you go all right dc well thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it and maybe someday i can get you back on to talk to you at some point because i, I love this this was great yeah yeah definitely take care of yourself all right See all right later. dc all thank right. you all right all right have a good one you too that was a fun show and i've always wanted to talk with dc so uh thank you so much again he's still in the green room Guys, um, what can I say? I can't follow up anything after that interview, and he's inspired me. I'm going to start jotting things down and then start looking at stuff I'm doing right now because, like everybody else, I'm coming out of this COVID thing and trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up. So, uh, yeah, so off we go. Tomorrow, we're going to have a special guest on. She was supposed to be on last month, but she was a victim of the fires up here in Northern California, lost her home. But she's graciously decided to come on tomorrow. Her name is her name is Katrina Rasbull, and they own a she she and her husband own a metaphysical shop up in um, Shingle Springs, up in the hills up by where I live, and she is going to be talking about generational curses, and how to deal with them. So she's going to be joining us tomorrow at six thirty usual time. But again, I want to thank DC for coming on, and if you guys want to help me out a little bit, because as you can see by what I'm running on the bottom down there, uh, we are a nonprofit, so that all this wonderfulness comes out of my pocket so if you guys could find it in your hearts to drop a donation for me to try and uh, keep the show on the air that would be great it's paypal.me at california haunts and uh, subscribe head to our youtube channel and subscribe hit that subscribe button and if you like the show share it with five people if you hated the show share it with five of your enemies just that easy because we want to keep getting the word out and you guys are doing fantastic at getting the word out you know our our, our viewership is up again this month really up high again and i'm really excited about that so things things are happening for us like dc says it's a slow process but it, it is happening and uh, i devote a lot of time to this show i'm you know i'm working on it um for like eight nine hours in the evening and, and putting stuff together and whatnot to bring you guys as good quality as we can check us out at www.californiahauntsradio.com or the main California Haunts website at www.californiahauntsradio.org. Anyway, I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30, and we will be talking about generational curses. So thanks, thank you, everybody, for coming tonight, and thank you, DC, once again. I, it, was, it was a blast. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs>